no way. It's Joe. no wonder nobody likes you. These stories you just told us. Well, which, I didn't start it. Which Unless, number? I didn't start it. I think it. you did start it. It was her. What idea. number is this? Uh, Fratelloni's Ace Robert and Garden Stores. Tell me when, and this here's poop number, talk better here's stop. Number three hundred seven. Your final GL right. podcast. Are we talking about Kenny, or are we talking about the podcast? Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number three hundred seven, January twenty second. Uh, 2020. It was 51 degrees on this day in 1942, and just six years earlier, it was 34 below in 1936. I did that math in my head. Wow. And now, Put from the mayor's away. office, above the boathouse, January 22nd. on the east shore of Spring Lake, Second. it's Garage Logic. January 22nd, 2020. There we go. Chris Reavers, director of social yeah. media, John Hyde in the newsroom, yeah. and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Uh, it is breaking just now as we come on the air that Mount Merapi has uh, erupted in Indonesia, and the uh, forecast is a very grim uh, for most of the world. Uh, fog over Europe, the Middle East, and parts of Asia, that fog will be consisting of the volcanic ash. It is predicted to block out the sun day and night for 18 months. Wow. Holy Food crap. will be scarce. The dust cloud is coughed from the volcano. Uh... Crops will stop growing, leading to famine and collapse of the global economy. Oh, my. Oh, that's kind of grim. No uh, numbers yet on the dead. Uh, that happened in 596. That explains why I can't find any current news. I know, I kept looking online. I'm looking I can't online to see uh, video and pictures. I, th I think it's time we take a break so I can tell you a story about my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Remember this one time? It's a, it was an apocalyptic scene. It was not lost on writers of the time. Byzantine historian Procopius wrote, For the sun gave forth its light without brightness, like the moon during the whole year. In Ireland, where the fog triggered a deadly famine that gripped the nation for three years, 536 to 539 A.D. was branded the failure of bread. The fog in question was an unrelenting dust cloud coughed up from a volcano in Iceland following a huge eruption. Incessant volcanic activity produced millions of tons of ash which spread over vast areas of the earth. A lack of sunlight meant crops stopped growing, leading to famine and a collapse of the global economy. We don't know how many died during the disaster and the years of turmoil that followed, but it's possible that it stretched into the tens of millions. The devastation triggered by the fog may have given rise to the moniker the Dark Ages. Harvard professor Michael McCormick reckons 536 A.D. is a prime candidate for the unfortunate accolade of the worst year in history. So uh, if you think that you, you face some catastrophe because you're not using LED bulbs, uh, remember that back in 536 A.D., uh, the world went dark, the crop stopped growing, people died. And what passed for a global economy was in disarray. Uh, also, we learn, uh, I have it, oh, right here, 
Uh, the oldest crater on Earth has been precisely dated, and scientists think the impact could have changed the world's climate. Western Australia's Yarrabubba crater is now thought to be 200 million years older than the next oldest crater on Earth. Hmm. 200 million years older. Wow. Old hole in the ground. Uh, the research team thinks the meteor struck at a time when glaciers were forming all over the Earth and Australia was largely covered in ice. How could that be? Simulations have indicated that the meteorite hit a continental ice sheet and threw 5,000 trillion kilograms of water vapor into the atmosphere. The scientists note that such an impact would have drastically changed the Earth's climate and may have even caused a greenhouse effect period as known as Snowball Earth. The research was based at Curtin University in Perth. Professor Chris Kirkland, who worked on the study, said Yarrabubba, which sits between sandstone and Mikathara in central Western Australia had been recognized as an impact structure for many years, but its age was not well determined. Now we know that Yarrabubba Crater was made right at the end of what's commonly referred to as the early snowball earth, a time when its atmosphere and oceans were evolving and becoming more oxygenated, and when rocks deposited on many continents recorded glacial conditions. What the hell are we worried about? <laughs> The the, the, the 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 majesty of the, of nature doing what it's going to do is going to kill you. It's like the line in, uh, <clears throat> well, what the hell is the uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid oh, yeah. <laughs> when they're going to de- go off the cliff and 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 uh, 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 Sundance won't go and Butch says, "Well, the fall alone will kill you. I can't swim. I can't swim. Yeah. I can't swim. Well, the fall alone will kill you." The, the delivery of that line by yeah. Newman wasn't it wonderful. Was perfect. Yeah. Wasn't it wonderful? Well, that's what we're facing here. Are you kidding me? There's no, if, if we get another eruption of that magnitude that occurred in 536, we too will experience a nuclear winter. We too will experience crop failure and death and darkness. It has, it has nothing to do with you driving a bleeping minivan. Are you saying we're minuscule? I think so. Uh, so anyway, this baby's even older than they thought. Uh, so we could face an asteroid, uh, you know, anything could, could undo us. Uh, and yet we're, you know, we're bowing to the whims of some 17-year-old school kid in Sweden who's telling us that we got to return to the Stone Age. The Stone Age is when this crap happens. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I hate to. I, I know you do. Well, you said Mount Merapi in Indonesia. Well, but I, mean, it was, oh I was making it, was, it up. It was actually a volcano in Iceland. Yeah, I know. That, I made it up. I made it up. Oh, John. you made it up. <laughs> you, you, God. This yeah. does not compute. Seems illogical. I use Mount Morepi just uh, as a, an example. As an example, I see. To set up my. Uh, I, I see now. And then I and then I acknowledged it was Icelandic in nature. Now, yeah, and the, you also the, mentioned yeah. something too in that story about you know the way it was covered, uh, the the writing or something like that. Walk yeah. me through the press room in five thirty six A D. What are you oh, seeing? Boy, I don't even. I can't even imagine Grave, engraving stuff into St- stone, stone tablets, yeah. chiseling, yeah. chiseling, chiseling, <laughs> primitive <laughs> chiseling. Tools. They didn't have a printing press, did right. they? Uh, Hi, how is everybody? Good, 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 good. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, I, I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> right. I don't want a thing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> so, but let's go to Duluth. Hey, speaking of all these climate catastrophes that happened through the millennia. Uh, this is from uh, Dan in Duluth. Uh, Duluth has been taking strides to become a more sustainable, energy-efficient city. Oh, good. Uh, recently, city leaders created an energy plan commission, but there, but felt there needed to be more. So Wednesday, today, Mayor, maybe it's today, this is dated 
yesterday. Maybe it was last week. <laughs> Wednesday, Mayor Emily Larson announced the city has hired its first sustainability officer hmm. to work hand-in-hand with the new commission. Last year, Duluth Mayor Emily Larson made plans for the new position aimed at ushering the city into greener pastures. The purpose of this position is to lead our resiliency efforts within the city of Duluth in partnership with our new Energy Plan Commission, said Mayor Larson. Larson announced Mindy Granley will serve as the city's first ever sustainability officer. St. Paul has one. Um, making what, buck 20? At least. <laughs> Granley comes from UMD with a full resume. Well, not really. She has a full resume from being at UMD. <laughs> Larson said Mindy established the Office of Sustainability. She has championed campus-wide organic recycling. She moved the university from bronze to gold in STARS, which is a campus sustainability tracking and rating system. I mean, she literally got a gold star at the top of her paper. (laughs) But it was monitored by its own entity. Right. She increased campus solar production by 900%. Well, then they shouldn't have any electric bills. Twelve years as the college sustainability director set Granley up as someone city leaders hope can lead Duluth toward positive change. I'll be a liaison and a partner from the city in community-wide action on climate change, said Granley. Action <laughs> like forming a citywide energy plan and following goals set in the city's Imagine Duluth plan. She said reducing energy use, carbon, protecting water, water quality in our streams and lakes superior. <clears throat> city leaders said it takes more than the commission to bring much needed change to see how we can bring sustainability across both our internal operations and also out in the community, said Granley. Granley will officially start a new position Feb 10. And as emailer Dan notes, this comes from a mayor who has publicly apologized for not having a plan to remove snow. I was just going there. Snowfall, which I believe has occurred up here prior to climate change uproar. I happen to live on a street that was plowed four days after the big one in December. Wow. Wish us luck with the next big snowfall and county plow drivers on strike. Well, they've settled. Uh, Dan and Duluth, where the water temperature on the big lake never seems to change. Uh, we went through this during their December storm, and we were getting emails from people telling us how they had to just basically do it themselves. Yeah, they were fending for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Want me to get serious? Please. Uh, this is just a, a carbon copy of the version of the salon as it exists in Duluth. And I don't have the answer to this. Uh, I think about it often on the Garage Logic Service Road of Life. Uh, I, I don't know how it is that normal, rational, taxpaying citizens uh, cannot come up with a candidate. Uh, and we are continually electing into the uh, into mayoral uh, positions, for example, the people we're now now dealing with, and they they don't have at heart, the interests of normal taxpaying citizens. They seem to take those people for granted. That's the well they go to to pay for what they really want to accomplish, which is the display of their own sense of virtue. And that's why you have a mayoral cabinet in St. Paul now that's numbering 20 people. God bless them. Four people brought on just to administer this nonsensical $50 per kid college savings account. Four people. That's, that's, that's a each failure. At a buck, each at a hunt apiece with the health care and the vacations and the whole thing. And now the city of St. Paul, uh, f- f- reacting to the cries 
of help from the people who pay the bills. You've got to do something about these streets. They want to enact a new 1% sales tax in the city. Oh, that's to, good. To dream up money that they would use for road repair, which they would not. That money would ultimately be used right. by the salon for other things. So what what a what a high tax paying property owner in the city of St. Paul might wonder is, where is my money? What are you doing with it? Where's the money I'm already paying for the roads? Well going it's now? it's being used to create an ever, ever expanding government of bureaucrats uh, attempting to bring about uh, social justice and societal change and climate restoration and sustainability, all of which has nothing to do with the with Mr. and Mrs. St. Paul or Minneapolis getting up and going to work every day. Right. has nothing to do with it. You nothing. Use, you use a the phrase. political class is separated from the rest of us. You use a phrase often where we're playing Europe here yeah. in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah. So would Duluth be accused of trying to play Twin Cities? Yeah, they're playing St. Paul. Yeah. They're playing St. Paul. Shouldn't the mayor be the director of sustainability? I mean, isn't that the mayor's job? Sustainability, the ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level. Right. And I go to uh, sustainability director jobs. What does a director do? Monitors a company's environmental impact and advocates for ways to improve it. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of them make up to 197. Mm-hmm. And now the director of public works, Kathy Lantry, has resigned uh, to collect, a, I would suspect, an enormous pension and great benefits around, and what yeah. have you. And that's, that's fine. All of that negotiated for. Uh, and now this gives Melvin a chance. He's going to hire three new people. <laughs> and so that, that theoretically could bring the cabinet up to 23 people. 23 people doing his job. <laughs> right. And, and and what that ends up doing is it insulates him from responsibility. Mm-hmm. He has no he has no reason to come forward and take responsibility for anything. He's got twenty three people he can point to, and I I don't see any reason why he's not going to get reelected. There apparently are not enough people. The closer you get to the uh, country's tallest buildings, who want some sanity in office. But I can't believe that the business owners aren't. There's not an uproar. There's not enough business owners anymore. Oh, and by the way, those business owners soon will be charging 1% more in sales tax. Sure. So you guys can fix your roads and uh, do a bunch of other dumb well, stuff. Well, that was like one things. of the quotes that was included in that Star Tribune piece about how, well, this will be able to create more business. Right. Honey, there isn't any business. Oh, right. No, I got a great email from uh, Michael Jalowski. Mayor, I'm a longtime listener, and finally, after many years, have taken advantage of permission. That's a GL concept right. where, uh, you know, the, the, the missus might say, geez, I like the color of that car. Mm-hmm. That, that's permission. You right. bring it home, you say, well, you told me you loved it. <laughs> I'm a longtime listener, and finally, after many years, have taken advantage of permission, along with GL podcast sponsor, Schmel's Countryside, Alfa Romeo. We have been looking for a new vehicle for some time. When I heard your advertisement for Schmel's Countryside, I began researching Alfa Romeos. During this research on Alfa Romeo Stelvios online, my lovely wife looked over my shoulder and saw this Stelvio from Schmel's and said, that's a nice-looking SUV. I instantly thought permission. Bam. So the following Saturday, we were on the way to test drive the Alfa, but before we got there, she tried to FFLF me by saying, we are just looking and not buying. Mm. When we arrived at Schmel's, we were greeted by Peter Johns and proceeded to test drive the Stelvio. After the test drive, I was prepared to say thanks, and we will think about it, but to my surprise, my wife said, we're getting this, and when can we pick it up? So on January 18, we picked up our red Stelvio, and Jonathan, Peter, and Austin could not have been nicer, and they were happy. 
that they advertised on the GL podcast. Nice. Here, here. Cool. In addition to Alfa Romeo, Schmel's Countryside is Volkswagen and Fiat. And great year end of the deals or the start of the new year deals are underway. Uh, Fiat 124s, the Fiat 500X trekking. They got that 1957 retro Fiat 500 pop, if it's still there. That one, that one's going to go out the door pretty quick. Certified pre-owned VW TDIs are getting a two-year unlimited mileage warranty from VW. Alphas are uh, getting extended warranties. They're clearing out 2019 Fiats. This is a family dealership, the likes of which really don't exist anymore in the automobile industry. We're on at least the third generation at Schmelz Countryside, VW.com, Schmelz Fiat.com, SchmelzAlphaRomeo.com. It's in the southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61 in Maplewood. I have a buddy who every year has three New Year's resolutions. Let's call him Bob. He rarely succeeds in these resolutions, and he's not alone. Only 10% of us do succeed. Then it hit me. Bob should call the Canopy Group. Why? Because Bob wants to read more? No. Because Bob wants to lose 20 pounds? No, we're not going to help with that. But we can help him with the third resolution, and that is to save money. He can start by calling the Canopy Group with its 20 professional agents. They can help Bob save money on his home and auto insurance and have better coverage. The Canopy Group's 16 companies assure Bob's success, not just this year. They will do this for Bob every year. Bob will get the best coverage at the best price. Our clients save an average of $628 annually. Hand your New Year's resolution over to the Canopy Group and be part of the 10% with Bob who succeed in accomplishing at least one New Year's resolution. Call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. Is this going anywhere? This is eventually. A little lead up. Now here's Suchi style. It's so cold in Florida. I say, how, how cold, cold is it? it? Iguanas are falling out of trees. No. Stunned. Look, look at this. By the temperatures. You know, I have this story in my yeah. news. You know what the opening line is? Huh. It's so cold in Florida. How cold, how cold, cold is, it? is it? Iguanas are falling out of trees. Yeah. The exact same thing. Yep. <laughs> They don't the usually forecast that, but they're forecasting it on the channel on the weather. And be careful, iguanas are falling out of trees. I was uh, listening to a uh, show that's based out of the Miami area on my way in today. Okay. That's on a station that we used to work for. Oh, right here, score. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. And the the guys were complaining because they had to turn their heat on really last night. Yeah. Oh, that's going to get you a lot of sympathy in the Midwest, fellas. <laughs> Uh, all these iguanas apparently will wake up and recover. They're just a, a, yeah. a bit stunned from from a thirty eight degree night. You know, <laughs> they're not dangerous or aggressive to humans, but they damage seawalls, sidewalks, landscape foliage, and can dig lengthy tunnels. The males can grow to five feet long. Ooh. That's a big ooh. and weigh nearly twenty pounds. Female iguanas can lay nearly 80 eggs a year, and South Florida's warm climate is perfect for the prehistoric-looking animals. Iguanas, uh, are you learning a lot about iguanas? A lot about iguanas. Uh, They're native to Central America, tropical parts of South America, and some Caribbean islands. Iguanas, Iguanas are allowed to be kept as pets in Florida. 
but are not protected by any law except anti-cruelty to animals. They've been in South Florida since the 1960s, but their numbers have increased dramatically in recent years. In other words, they're an invasive species. Mm. Isn't that something? They were dropping out of trees, but iguana meat might have been for sale. <laughs> what? Can you eat it in iguana? I don't think so. Oh. The low temperatures stun. <laughs> like hot dogs. Yeah. Oh, the low temperatures stun the invasive reptiles, but the stun. iguanas won't necessarily die. That means many will wake oh. up as temperatures rise today. Yeah. So they just go to sleep. I thought they meant, that meant they died. Knocked out by the cold. Ah. And we heard from Patrick. Has he encountered any uh, iguanas? They're falling all over. They're falling out of the trees. Falling <laughs> out of the trees. I had to put on a sweatshirt. <laughs> See if anybody, the only one that might have a shot at this is Kenny. Uh, Jeff Rathmanner writes, I thought you'd enjoy this story. My wife's 85-year-old uncle had a Griffith in his garage for 25 years without driving it. It has 25 to 30K on it, miles. It was in rough shape, but the guy who does the show Chasing Classic Cars, that'd be Wayne Carini, bought it and fixed it up. He will do a whole show on the project in a few months. We had no idea what the car was worth, but the guy paid 85 grand for it. I had never heard of a Griffith prior to this. I probably should have called you first. It will be fun to see the show when he interviews my uncle-in-law, especially since he is so deaf that it is almost impossible <laughs> to have a conversation with him. <laughs> well, I had to look it up. It's a, it's a TVR. It's British. A 400? Uh, no, it's a Griffith. Griffith. Griffith TVR Griffith 400. What, what okay. year was it? I have no idea. Between 64 and 67. Okay, thank you. I didn't know they existed. And there, here's one in Minnesota sitting in a guy's garage. Right there. Right, right there. Here. Give it to me. That's what? not the first time Wayne Carini's come in here and taken stuff out from under my nose. <laughs> what was the other time? It's got a this really is, funny back end. Huh? Do I know Andy Griffith? <laughs> the first time, and this one really gets me because the first time... Uh, Carini came to town and got wind of an Austin Healey 3000 Le Mans, which were really rare, an MGTD, and an MGA in a house in South Minneapolis that was owned by the, is either the, it was owned by a relative of a guy I know very well in St. Paul, hmm. who, a guy who I knew well enough that he knew I had British cars. But I never heard about this stash that was hidden just, over in South Minneapolis. i got to tell you something. Just because he knows you doesn't mean he likes you. <laughs> True. Well, there is that possibility. Uh, did you look at a picture of this car? I did. I watched a little YouTube clip it's that really, was provided. really, really cool. It really is. Uh, it's, and it definitely has its own look with that back yeah. window and that yeah. slope. That's yeah. really neat. Uh, Jeff writes, do you know that uh, February 2nd will be a palindrome? Mm-hmm. Why did you say it when you read that? That only I would be able to get away with this. What What did you mean? I by thought that? maybe you would be the only one that would recognize oh, the name no, of, of a no. car. I've, I've never heard of it. No. no. Right. Either have I, so none of us I, were. Yeah, aware I of for it. sure no. was out. I was out. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Chiming in. This coming February 2nd will be a palindrome. You know mm-hmm. what that means? Yes. Uh huh. The same forwards and backwards? Yeah. The 020. 0202020. Yeah. Just like race car. Huh? Or mom, or wow. Race car? Race car. Or yeah. Bob. Race car is a palindrome. I didn't know that. That was a book I read when I was in elementary o- school. 0202020. Two, 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 oh. yeah. They're same. actually zeros. I had a teacher that used to yell at me for saying yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, 
try to use zero. Zero two. Zero two. It's gonna slap two, your zero, wrist two, with zero. a ruler. I did zero res. Teacher was very mean about that. Spell it forwards or backwards. Right. Let's it's come back and do your news, and I'll be paying pretty damn close attention <laughs> to it. Damn. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. We, we need to turn our microphones on. Uh, mine was on. No, 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 it wasn't. Okay, here's John Height. Thanks, Joe. Uh, before I get to news, let me tell you about Mancetti's Pizza and Pasta, one of my favorite places in the world to eat. Sounds good there. on a day like today. It really does. It's up by my house, 3603 Round Lake Boulevard, just about a mile north of Highway 10, right where Andover and Anoka meet. We've told you in the past about the pizzas. They have great pizzas. doesn't matter what you like for a topping. They have specialty pizzas. The pizzas are all great. Today, I want to tell you about all the homemade stuff they have. Uh, their meatballs on their spaghetti homemade, and they are wonderful, just seasoned perfectly Italian uh, sausage and uh, bur- uh, beef. And uh, the meat sauce is also uh, of their own making, as are sauces for the rigatoni, which is actually a little bit different than the spaghetti sauce. Both very delicious. Also, fettuccine Alfredo made from their own recipe, Alfredo sauce. They have made from scratch lasagna. Uh, if you like pasta, not only spaghetti and uh, rigatoni, you can also get uh, manicotti, tortellini. Their pastas are baked, some of them, especially the rigatoni, when you get the baked rigatoni with the cheese on top. Delicious. Gives them a unique flavor. It is fantastic at Mancetti's. They also have the Monday through Friday lunch buffet. They have catering, and uh, they'll help you with a fundraiser if you need help with that. Uh, contact them. It's Greg and Rochelle Tiget at Mancetti's. Greg uh, and Rochelle have been GLers for many, many years, have the great food. 3603 Round Lake Boulevard, Mancetti's Pizza and Pasta. Mr. Owl ate my metal worm. That's a palindrome. Wow. That's, That's what you learned in... His race car, a palindrome. That's interesting. Mrs. Wow. Frederick's very happy about for me right now. I'm sure. I'm sure. In, uh, in news. Yeah. A little transition there. Authorities in St. Paul say the death of a man who was found unconscious Monday night in downtown St. Paul came after that man tried to rob someone. Sergeant Mike Ernster with the St. Paul Police Department said during a press conference, the 52-year-old man allegedly tried to rob a 49-year-old man, but the 49-year-old fought back. Witnesses confirmed to police the 52-year-old acted like he had a handgun as he tried to assault the other man. However, no firearm was found at the scene. The victim was helped by his co-workers who work at a nearby church. In holding the Church of Scientology. Correct, yes. Uh, in holding down the suspect until police got there on the 500 block of Wabasha Street around 7 p.m. Monday. The suspect then was unconscious and not breathing. He was taken to Regents Hospital where he later died. There have been no arrests in the case, according to Ernster. Ramsey County Medical Examiner will determine the suspect's identity in the coming days. The case remains under investigation. Well, it sounds to me like some poetic justice. Yeah. The guy, you come to rob me, don't mess with the Church of Scientology. That's right. <laughs> the guy picked the wrong guy to try and rob. Probably a guy that was out of shape and uh, had no idea what he was in for. Yeah. Well, you got what you deserve, mm-hmm. pal. Here, here. So I know we've had a little bit of trouble in the early stages of 2020 in St. Paul. Are we going to be able to keep track of if we're on pace to break the record that we set in 2019? Oh, yeah. We're at three already. So we're, we're ahead of schedule. Oh, yeah, it's okay, a good, good pace. Good. 
A woman charged in connection to the murder of a realtor in Minneapolis is in court Wednesday. Elsa Segura charged with one count of kidnapping. Jail records show she turned herself in Tuesday. Investigators said Segura set up that home showing with Monique Baugh in Maple Grove on New Year's Eve. They said that's where Baugh was abducted by two men in a U-Haul, her body found in North Minneapolis later that night. Segura is among three people charged in the case. Cedric Berry was charged earlier this month with two counts of second-degree murder and one count of kidnapping. Barry Davis is also charged with second-degree murder and kidnapping. He is not yes, uh, yet in custody. Uh, Segura, by the way, the Cedric woman... Cedric Barry is not in custody? No. The, he is. Barry Davis is not. Oh, all yeah. right. Uh, the uh, woman uh, who turned herself in yesterday being in court today is a former probation officer for Hennepin County. We're what? going to discuss that uh, story after your newscast. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have more that might alarm you. Okay. Ron Edwards, the fiery activist and one of the most prominent civil rights advocates in Minnesota uh, Minnesota over the past 60 years, has died. Edwards was 81 years old, born in Kansas City. He came to Minneapolis as a child in the 1940s with his dad, who worked for the Northern Pacific Railway. At a young age, he gained a reputation as an advocate for civil rights in the 60s, continued as the face of local activism until his death. He was past president of the Minnesota Urban League and a key figure in the effort to desegregate the all-white Minneapolis Fire Department in the 1970s. He was an unrelenting critic of police brutality, but also a friend of numerous black officers on the Minneapolis police force. Later years, he became a journalist advocate, writing sharply critical columns in the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder. Uh, you uh, touched on this a bit, Joe. Uh, let's just uh, talk about it again briefly. St. Paul leaders. Who lives in St. Paul here? I do. You yeah. do, yeah. Show of hands, yeah. Wants to impose a 1% city sales tax to pay for repairs to crumbling, uh, repairs to crumbling streets, develop more affordable housing, and launch pre-kindergarten <laughs> programs citywide. Thank you for your contribution. St. Paul Council members uh, expected to pass a resolution that commits the city to exploring a new local option sales tax and ask Mayor Melvin Carter to hire a lobbyist to suss out state support during the session. Uh, because Why doesn't he use one of the 20 people that aren't doing that right. much anyway? Hey, to be I the need lobbyist. you to double up here. Yeah. Even if the legislature yeah. gives St. Paul authority to impose the tax, it would still have to go before city voters in a referendum. So it's got a ways to go. Uh, member Rebecca Noker, one of the measure's co-authors, uh, she said the resolution will likely be ready for a vote February five. Well, let's uh, let's let's that's going to be interesting to see if that passes the referendum. But it won't matter because just like with trash and everything else, if he doesn't get his way, yeah. he'll just. You know, good luck to you, Joe. We're all counting on you. <laughs> U.S. Senate plunging into President Trump's impeachment trial with Republicans abruptly abandoning plans to cram opening arguments in two days but also rejecting, for now, Democratic demands for more witnesses. Uh, Trump himself said Wednesday he wants his top aides to testify, but he qualified that by suggesting there were national security concerns to allowing their testimony. He said, we have a great case, uh, as he talked at Davos, uh, Switzerland. In a press conference before coming back to Washington, Trump said his legal team was doing what he called a very good job. He appeared to break with Republicans' efforts to block Democratic motions to immediately call witnesses and subpoena documents. Instead, Trump said he'd like to see aides, including former National Security Advisor John Bolton, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney testify as witnesses. He said he'd leave the national security concerns about allowing their testimony to the Senate. Minneapolis man accused of being a guard at a Nazi concentration camp has died. 
Remember the story, Michael Karkoch? I do. Was retired and a member of the Ukrainian community in northeast Minneapolis in 2013 when Associated Press reported he led a Ukrainian detachment serving under Nazi command in World War II that was accused of committing atrocities. That's a charge his family vehemently denied, even as German and Polish prosecutors prepared cases against him. He now, of course, won't ever face those charges. According to a death certificate filed in Hennepin County, he died December 14th in a Minneapolis-assisted living facility at the age of 100. The AP stories prompted Germany and Poland to investigate. German prosecutors announced in July 2015 they had shelved the case because the then 96-year-old Karkoc wasn't fit for a trial. But Polish prosecutors announced in March 2017 they would seek his arrest and extradition. Terry Jones, a member of the Monty Python troupe, who was hailed by his colleague as, as the complete Renaissance comedian, has died after a battle with dementia. Jones's family said the 77-year-old died Tuesday night at his home in London. The statement said uh, his family said he had, after a long, extremely brave but always good-humored battle with the rare form of dementia, FTD. After leaving Oxford University, he wrote for seminal 1960s comedy series in Great Britain, including The Frost Report and Do Not Adjust Your Set, at the end of the decade, he, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, John Cleese, Graham Chapman, and Terry Gilliam formed Monty Python's Flying Circus. Jones wrote and performed for the troupe's early 70s TV series and the films, including The Holy Grail and The Life of Brian. Um, you might remember, I, he was one of my favorites because I loved the, the female voice. He was the guy that always did the female voice. Mm-hmm. How oh, many are left? Four? Uh, Who did we just see. lose prior to Terry we Jones? We lost Gilliam, right? Gilliam. Gilliam. Is Graham Chapman still alive? I'm not sure. I think sure. so. So we got Palin, Idol, Cleese, and Chapman still alive. Uh, playing the mother of Brian in the life of Brian, uh, a hapless young man who's mistaken for Jesus, he delivered one of the Python's most famous uh, lines. Uh, he played the mother of Brian, and when the people kept yelling Messiah up to the window, she said, He's not the Messiah! He's a very naughty boy! <laughs> That's I always love that feeling. Right. Pretty good impersonation. Thank you very much. A fight is coming to California over whether to list one of the world's most common over-the-counter drugs as a carcinogen. Mm, aspirin? Well, pretty close. The drug, acetaminophen. Known outside is the U.S. That's Tylenol. Yeah. As a paracetamol and used to treat pains and fevers. It's the basis for more than 600 prescription and over-the-counter medications for adults and children's, uh, children. Found in <laughs> way. Do learn. I'm sorry. Founded with children. I try not to laugh at those things. That's okay. I don't mind. That one wasn't bad. Sabotages myself. Found in in well-known brands like Tylenol, Excedrin, Sudafed, Robitussin, and Theraflu. Acetaminophen has been available in the U.S. without prescription. Isn't it acetaminophen? Yes, it is. It is. is. I'm sorry. You would take that if you need some... uh, uh, microbial um, <laughs> things. Theraf- or microbial, uh, I'm sorry. Theraflu. Uh, flu. Theraflu. John, damn it. There it is. Theraf- you kept your mouth shut. Don't be blaming me. You were ahead, Kenny. Theraflu is wonderful. It works very well. Okay. Especially in very high doses. <laughs> oh, I see. Anyway, California's <laughs> looking at making a acetaminophen? Acetaminophen. 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 I'm never Menomina. It's, uh, let's see, it's so cold in Florida. I guess I can skip that one. How cold is it? I'm going to skip that one. Iguanas are falling out of trees. Yes, yes they are. In New York, a Clinton Hill man registered his beer as an emotional support animal last month. (laughs) (laughs) Hoping the certification. Oh, I got it. (laughs) 
hoping the certification would allow him to access public transit in possession of his favorite beverage. Uh, Floyd Hayes says, I travel from upstate to Brooklyn a lot, and on the bus they say it's a federal crime to smoke or have an alcoholic beverage unless by prior written consent. And I always wondered where I could get that consent. Uh, consent. By the way, he said... <laughs> or that cassette. By the way, he added, I'm not an alcoholic. Sure. As first reported by the Ale Street News. Chris, do you get the Ale Street News? I don't, but I should. should. But you are an alcoholic, correct? Raging. (laughs) Hayes registered his beer as an emotional support dog with USA Service Dog Restoration. Uh, Registration. Registration. Which promptly emailed him a registration code that can be plugged into the Nevada based business's website to reveal additional information and his favorite brew. According to the site, Hayes' support dog, which is listed as beer, does not require any additional training and helps the Clinton Hill resident manage social anxiety disorder. You mean he's got beer? Avon Police Department. Oh, no. This poor guy. No. They told you to give it back to me. No, I told them I wasn't going to give it to you. It's a fight over a beer. My name's John Bansley. (laughs) They just picked me up for public intact. Uh huh. And they dropped me off at my. Ex-wife's house. Okay. Mm-hmm. They gave her the beer and said, "Don't let them leave." And now she's got the beer, and she says, "I'm gonna keep it." And all's all's I got is that beer. That's the only thing I got to my name. You know what? It'll all work out. I'll be out of the city. I'll be out of the state in two shakes of a lamb style. Okay. I'm sorry for bothering you. That's okay. I'll have an officer come talk to you. We'll resolve it, okay, hon? Nah, you don't need to have an officer come over. Okay, well, I've got one in the area, so if you want to talk to him, he's right out there by your house. Where did she I go? Went. I don't hear her anymore. Nah, she went into her room. She's probably talking to her new boyfriend. Oh, well, you got a personal phone number? You sound kind of pretty. <laughs> I don't. Sorry. <laughs> airborne, my lady, airborne. <laughs> All right, take care, John. Oh, oh, God, I can oh, weep every time I hear yeah. it. It's just so tender. It's just horrible. Yeah. The line where she, she's probably talking to her new yeah. boyfriend. Oh, my oh. God. But then it takes a wild swing. Yes, yeah, it you does. got a personal well, in here. Good. Yeah, let me get in on that hot yeah, mess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, apparently, by the way, the dog registration people said this probably will not uh, be useful for him, and he won't be able to use it anywhere, so. Oh, I was going to say, it sounded like he won. No, no. They, He's uh, not going to win this. No, All right. no, no. Uh, apparent, uh, apparently, Americans have boring tastes when it comes to car colors. That's the takeaway from the latest analysis of color distribution across the auto- automotive industry. What's your color at, uh, at uh, Schmelz? Chiaro Verde. Chiaro Verde. Light green. Nice. The top color of 2019? <laughs> Black. White. white. I white. hate white cars. Oh, I do too. I do too. And it's yeah. a, they're appliance white. It's not mm-hmm. bad if there's a little cream in it. Old English white. Yeah. Yeah. But this, uh, they look like washing machines. Yes. Every third car painted in North America, 29%, features a shade of white, according to the study. Really? And 39% of all cars produced last year sport some sort of white hue. I don't get it. Color was the most popular shade not only in North America, but also in Europe, Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. It's not even a safe color in Minnesota. No. Because, no. you know, we have what we call snow. Right. That's white. See? Oh, come on. Yeah. Seriously? No, it's not safe. No, no that's, no. Don't, don't even, please. All right. 
The great thing, though, about white and silver cars is you can almost get away with anything because there's a million of them on the road, mm-hmm. so you blend right in. Is that the way you look at it, Kenny? Yes. And yes, it is. blink around for an hour and a half. <laughs> you, take, <laughs> you, you take all the logos and the badges off, uh, nobody can identify you. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, creepy. Uh, you're stealth. Yeah, that was really <laughs> weird, stealth. Kenny. Yeah, that was, that was weird. Here's, I learned that from the guy who just set the record driving across the uh, United States. And oh, what was it, Such right. Like 27 yep. hours. Oh, that's right. And that's how one of the things that he did. Uh, well, if you're, but if you're going that fast, how are you blending in? Okay, then. Uh, yep. <laughs> appreciate it. That's the cannonball run we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah no, but it wasn't set during the Cannonball Run. You're familiar with the story. He I just, am very much. He just set the record yeah. like last yeah, we, month. You, yeah. you talked about it on yeah. the air. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. No, you can't. Or, you can't publicize these sort of things ahead of time. No. I set the record for the Dum Dum Run. Yeah. The Dum Dum Run. Yeah, that's believable. In Kansas, uh, Paola, P-A-O-L-A, pay, Paola, whatever, Paola, Paola Man's bizarre response to a custody battle is making headlines. The man has asked a judge for trial by combat. It's a phrase that was popularized, uh, apparently, in the TV show Game of Thrones. David Ostrom said, I've seen the television show and read the books. He, of course, is representing himself in court. (laughs) He submitted the court filings in Shelby County, Iowa, where his ex-wife and children live in response to a protracted child custody and money battle. In one of the filings, dated January 3rd, he wrote, Petitioner demands the court sanction trial by combat to resolve these disputes. Does he want to have a sword fight with her? Apparently. Right now. Yeah. Uh, he said the petitioner requests 12 weeks lead time <laughs> for trial by gotta, combat. Well, you got to train. Sure. Yeah. He then <laughs> clarified his ex-wife may choose a champion to stand in her stead. So she could have some fellow okay. set in for yeah. her. Sure. In the sword fight. A duel, maybe? You bet. At 20 paces? I mean, apparently, it can happen. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Uh, the exchange has garnered headlines and news publications across the U.S. and even overseas. He says he's not violent or crazy, just frustrated by what he considers a system that in some counties, specifically in his case, he says, is stacked against men when it comes to issues of custody and financial support. He said, they've been trying to ignore me, and I think this will put a spotlight on them. The approach was eventually outlawed in the fictional TV show Game of Thrones, but no such explicit prohibition exists in the U.S. That was part of his original argument. Uh, A judge has filed an order that read in part, until the proper procedural steps to initiate a court proceeding are followed, this court will Okay, okay, okay. Tell me, what was that story about? No idea. Me neither. John, what the hell? You can't throw sword fighting in there and then expect us to remain... Uh, listening to whatever it right. is you're talking about, because our minds all went to the sword. Yeah. Twenty paces, I thought. And then Whoa. you said Jen. something about the wife in a sword fight. And then and she, she gets to have a uh, stand-in. She gets to have a champion. Yeah, she but you missed the part watch. of the iguanas. The champion. iguanas were cold. John, you take a little break there. We'll be right back. <laughs> set the next play out. Yeah, you set this one out. <laughs> Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. MinnesotaGunClass.com slash GL. How long has this been? Let's just leave it up. This is cool. Uh, It's time to get after it, GLers. Uh, You've waited long enough. It's already 2000. No, it's 2020. It's 2020. 2020. Uh, And you still haven't signed up yet? 
Uh, I have to admit, uh, same year. It just so happens I'm going to be joining you at some point this year. My permit expires at the end of the year. So we're going to take the class together. Join me, won't you? Uh, and we're going to start by logging on to minnesotagunclass.com slash GL. Uh, it's, it's our page. It's a page they put together for us. And if this is your first go around, please watch the videos that Gary has posted. I think I'm been trying to do the math and as you know i'm not good at math i think it's going to be my third go around of re-upping uh, and i have watched gary's videos actually a couple of times and learned something in every episode they're real eye openers uh, it, gary does not mince words and he's going to challenge you to think long and hard about the responsibility that's required to carry a firearm a- and it's something we should all take very seriously but i want to tell you a happy little secret this is a, a wonderful part of having that permit to carry whether you do, you carry or not it's also a, care, a permit to buy. So when I stroll or you stroll into DK Mags, you see that firearm you've always waited for, you're going home with it. That is so awesome. And so there's no month-long waiting period, no matter what your skill level. And I'm talking greenhorn to old salt. I promise you, you will be impressed with the level of learning that's provided by the instruction from minnesotagunclass.com slash GLR. Uh, let's get after it. Minnesota Gun Class dot com slash gl must only be a 30 second bed (laughs) Uh, daniel writes on the discussion of the new state fair security policies i'd like to introduce you to a term that accurately describes a lot of our security mechanisms security theater it's generally understood that a lot of security mechanisms we put in place really have very little ability to actually catch a threat including at the airport The TSA has been shown frequently to be unable to identify contraband items. So why do we have it? In the illusion of security that reassures passengers and attendees, and it's a potential deterrent. And I suspect there is a large insurance benefit to go along with it. Real security would require profiling and informed statistics that would run afoul of our modern sensibilities, a far larger investment in trained people, and cause unreasonable delays. That's not likely at the fair. But what really struck a chord with me was Kenny's comments on carrying a gun without a permit. Although I agree with his sentiment that that we have... Although I agree with his sentiment that we have gangsters and only honest people follow laws, I pose this question. Do laws mean anything if not enforced? I submit to you the rap sheet of the first person charged in that realtor kidnapping murder a few weeks ago that John just had on his news. In addition to his 18 prior convictions, he was issued a warrant for failure to appear in March on two felony counts of narcotics and fleeing police. Once he was picked up on October 22nd on that warrant, he also had a gun and narcotics on him, despite being a felon. He was released without bail by a judge and no charge on the felon in possession of a gun count. He was booked again on the narcotics charge, but set free with no bail and no charges in November as well. I really just don't know what to say, and it seems that this doesn't even budge the outrage meter. God forbid I use the wrong pronoun for someone. Meanwhile, this guy can beat, murder, flee police, sell drugs for 20 years straight, and we get polite news stories with no comment on how the failures of the system got us here. One kidnapped and murdered, one shot, and a kid without a mom. And now you go to the Star Tribune story on this. 
A 40-year-old one, a 41-year-old man with a long and violent gang history hired a mini lured a Minneapolis real estate agent to a Maple Grove home she was showing so he could abduct and kill her with a gunshot to the head. This Jeez. is according to charges filed this week. Cedric L. Berry of Minneapolis was charged in Hennepin County District Court with second-degree murder and kidnapping in connection with the death of Monique Baugh, a 28-year-old realtor who police suspect was kidnapped and driven in a rental truck to Minneapolis where she was found and shot in an alley in the 1300 block of North Russell Avenue. I cannot begin to describe how vicious the behavior was in this case, County Attorney Mike Freeman said. We have charged Mr. Berry with setting a trap for Ms. Baugh, assassinating her at at close range, and shooting at her boyfriend while in a house with two small children. We are seeking high bail and will do all in our power to prove him guilty. A spokesman for Freeman said no decision has been made yet on whether prosecutors will seek a first-degree murder charge, which would raise the possibility upon conviction of a life sentence without parole. Why wouldn't they go after first-degree? That's one Mm -hmm. question. Barry was booked into jail Friday and remains held in lieu of $2 million bond ahead of a court appearance. Court records do not yet list an attorney for him. The criminal complaint did not specify a motive for the killing, but search warrant affidavits tied to her killing uh, tied her killing to a suspected drug rivalry between Barry and Bao's boyfriend, who survived being shot that same day at the home he shared with Bao and her two small children. The complaint did say that police learned her boyfriend had recently signed a rap music contract and had been flaunting his cash on social media. Whoopsie. The boyfriend, who goes by the moniker Momo, uh, mourned Bao on Facebook with uh, rest in peace, my queen, and a broken heart emoji. He's got a song that featured Nipsey Hussle, who was shot and killed in Las Vegas, I'm sorry, in Los Angeles last spring. Momo also performed in March at the highly regarded South by Southwest Music uh, conference in Austin, Texas. Barry's criminal history spans his adult life, his adult life, starting at age 18 when he was picked up on probation violation while running with the Bogus Boys Street Gang, B-O-Y-Z. In 2001, he was driving a car in North Minneapolis when his passenger shot and killed a rival gang member in retaliation for an earlier gang-related killing. Barry was charged with second-degree murder, pleaded guilty to manslaughter, and was given a five-year sentence. There you go. Additional convictions include two for drug dealing, two for drug possession, and one each for aggravated robbery, illegal weapon possession, and fleeing police. While in prison serving time in 2017 for one of the drug convictions, Barry allegedly beat a corrections officer with his fists after being told to end a phone conversation. The officer suffered a broken nose and bruises. A verdict in that case is pending as well as one on a felony drug possession charge filed March 2019 in Hennepin County. And it goes on to describe what he did here. Why was he out? Why Why was he? What, what are we doing here? No, here's a better question. What are we doing? Here's a better question. Who's the judge? I, it's not listed here. But it should be. Mm-hmm. That judge's name should be made public. And every time they come on the ballot, say, uh, we don't want that. But, what, but that judge did no public service at all in mm-hmm. this case. You let this loser roam amongst the streets what's, with the rest of us. What's the motivation for that, though? I couldn't think of it either, Kenny. Crowded, because crowded prison? I don't understand it. Yeah. It makes absolutely no, no sense. None at all. Well, the really sad part is well, that... Well, the cliche would be some left-leaning judge who saw this poor man of color and thought he needed another chance, but I, but you I, say, I say that's a cliche. Yeah. That's probably yeah. not what happened. Yeah, I don't know. His record is appalling, and it has been his entire life. But I also feel... 
unbelievably sorry for what those two children saw when she was living with a drug dealer and knows that there's rival gang stuff going on. Yeah. That is... But I'm she not sorry a, that she's gone, but that's a horrific situation. And she was at least making a life for herself. And why did why did they have to kill her? He was the target. But I, not to correct or anything, Rook, but I, haven't we discovered he wasn't a drug dealer? I thought he the rap thing was the thing that caused the the problem. No, no. It, he was a rival drug dealer. He was? Yes, the boyfriend yeah, was, was a drug dealer. Well, there's okay. no mention of him being taken into custody. Yeah, I, well, I thought that was... He's yeah. just the aggrieved uh, uh, ex-boyfriend of the dead no, woman? The, the initial story, he was the a rival. The initial story said that, yes, and it didn't mention the rap stuff at all. But I thought we we amended that after the initial story. Well, but if that's it, the case, then I stand corrected, but... Well, Joe makes a good point. If it's true, why wouldn't he be in jail? Maybe because they're... He's, he's shot in the head, right? So maybe he's in the no, house. He's shot in the, wasn't he shot yeah. in the side? Yeah, okay. he's okay. He was out right away at the hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, still. We need the name of the judge. That's what you need. But the, the name of the judge needs to be made public well, here. It's just astonishing that. The system didn't work, huh? Locks remain for honest people. So, Such, after we talked, was it earlier this week or last week, we talked about what we were calling permitless carry, which is actually uh, the real term there is constitutional carry. I believe it was yesterday No, or the was, day before. No, uh, it was this week. Okay. Whenever it was, Jordy sent me a very interesting link to an article um, that uh, was put out this year based on a U.S. News and World Report, rates the states for public safety. So this is coming from U.S. News and World Report, taking uh, both property crimes and violent crime into account. Uh, And the ratings use the FBI's data from 2017. But again, this was published this year. The top three states for public safety this year, Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire, all three are constitutional carry states. That mm-hmm. means you can carry without a permit. And I found that very, very interesting and, and fascinating. Well, to which I would add that probably a great many sane people live in Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont right. oh, without, so you, without heavy populations. Oh. I, I mean, I'm buying. I'm, I, it, it's an interesting way to link the constitutional carry angle to that. But, you know, I, there's a fighting chance I would have guessed those three states to be the safest states in America without knowing anything about the, the, the carry permit situation. Is it your job to make me doubt everything? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks, Mr. Buzzkill. Rick Groshong from Edmond, Oklahoma, weighs in on Tuesday's show. I believe that was yesterday. John said Minnesota Republicans want to pass permitless carry for firearms and kenny said he thought it was a bad idea because then gangsters could legally well, carry weapons i just i just corrected myself right so uh he asked for input so i thought yes. i would pass on information i learned as oklahoma just passed permitless carry constitutional carry constitutional carry first there is a prohibition in federal law against felons possessing weapons so this law would not allow them to legally carry secondly those fine youngsters who are carrying now when it is already illegal the only thing that would change is that law-abiding people would not have to obtain permission from the government to exercise their constitutional right to protect themselves from feral youth. Uh, I'm pretty sure we mentioned that when we talked about it, and the analogy was padlocks only work for honest people. Lastly, there are already 16 states with uh, constitutional carry, and there have been very few problems. I'm glad Kenny answered with an open mind. There is hope after all. Pushing back Rick Groshong in Edmond, Oklahoma. It's an interesting topic, and I I've learned a lot in the last few days because I have been reading about it, and Mm -hmm. my mind has been made up. 
Uh, Jeff writes, while pulled off to the side in one of your lovely neighborhood streets, allowing another driver to go through without returning my wave, I tried to do the math on uh, Melvin Carter's college savings plan. Math in the car amounts to distracted driving for me, so I did this at home. This is simple mayoral math. The number of children born in St. Paul annually, 5,000, times $50 donation from St. Paul's road fund <laughs> equals 250 grand. The program cost, according to the city, is 1,200,000. A 250,000 stupid program with a $1 million slush fund for the mayor. That would clean a few streets in St. Paul or pay for a couple of more cronies for Melvin. P.S. I can drive to Grunhofer's from any place in Hugo without having to pull over to let somebody buy, but if they did, I would wave. Here, here. He's talking about Grunhofer's old fashioned meat market at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. You can't miss it. It's become the. Uh, Garage Logic meat capital of the world. And I want to tell you what Spencer has recently added. That'd be Spencer Grunhofer, by the way. 14 kinds of summer sausage, including wild rice, cheddar, dill pickle, garlic, cranberry wild rice, jalapeno, hot pepper cheese, fresh pork belly and side pork, oven ready pre-made meatloaf, which is a big, big favorite of the GL crew, raw and smoked dog bones and pig ears for your dogs, because he got Fido in mind, and soup time. They have oxtails, beef shanks, pork hocks, fresh and smoked pork neck bones, and also a new brat. Too bad for those cheeseheads in Wisconsin who are now crying in their beer, but a beer cheese brat. Pork beer cheese, cheese curds, bacon, green onion, cheddar cheese. Just fantastic. Uh, Grunhofer's has everything you need for meat. Every single thing in the world you need for meat, including 130 flavors of lean pork brats, which must be grilled year-round by GLers and not boiled. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats, it's on Highway 61, just at the north end of Hugo. Truth, Justice, and the Souchere. And Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. They are proud supporters of not only the Garage Logic podcast, but also yeah. the Beer Show. Hell yeah. And, fellas, one week from today, the Beer Show, along with Mike Fratelloni and Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores, we're going to be at 30 Bales Restaurant, downtown Hopkins. Also proud supporters of the GL podcast, 3 to 6 p.m. Wednesday. January 29th. Is that next week? That's next week. One week from tonight. 3 to 6 p.m., Joe. Who's going to be there? Joe's buying the first round, according to my sources. So you just made the announcement? Yes, absolutely. That we're all going to be there? We're going to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. Todd I'm going to try to swing by. Okay, cool. Uh, we're going to have a lot of <laughs> cool... There's his out. There's his out. try to swing by. We're going to have a lot of cool featured guests on the show that week, but also, get this, you guys. This this is all boring, Reavers. Um, no, I, no, no. I, hold on. Okay. Fish on string? Fratelloni is giving away a snowblower. Oh, wow. oh yeah. That's cool. On That's site. Cool. You have to be present and register on site to win. Really? Can we? Also, the guys from Elevated Beer, Wine, and Spirits, who have been proud supporters of the beer oh, show. For, well, that's my shop. Uh, they're giving away a wheelbarrow full of booze. Oh, you get to keep the wow. wheelbarrow. I, uh, you get to keep the wheelbarrow, uh, and you get to keep I, uh, the booze. Get eligible for that? Yeah. Well, you could probably uh, work something out. I mean, I'm in there once or twice a week. You I'm are. Try to swing by three to six p.m. Oh. next Wednesday. I know the beer show is normally on Thursday, but we're going to record the show Wednesday, January 29th, from three to. 6 p.m. You can find out more at 30bales.com. Okay, here's how this is going to happen. Matthew, rookie, yes. you're picking him up. 
because he says he's never been to a happy hour. Come You're either on. picking me up or taking me from here. Come so on. you have he needs a babysitter. Yeah, I do. No, you have to pick him up from the home because he's not allowed to drive right. after what we're going to do to him <laughs> next Wednesday right. at 30 Bales. Oh, no holds barred. Can you, you promise? come to my house and get me. Can no you promise barred. that? Yeah, Will you that. pick him up? I can do that. One more stipulation. Fun. Ne- next Wednesday, one week from tonight. One more stipulation. You have to bring the car in the driveway that leaks the gas. Yeah. Oh, that's long gone. Oh, okay. That's long gone, yeah. Old Betsy's gone. This is going to be fun because... Uh, and I believe you that you've never been to a happy never, hour. Never have. We're gonna about to change that, Mr. Mayor. I need happy hours oh, for sad days. <laughs> what a great tune! Uh, before we get to you, John. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt yeah. Appel has a great observation about our guest last week, Andrew Town, part mm-hmm. of the team that rode from Chile to Antarctica. Yep. I couldn't help but think that your new buddy, Andrew Town, could be a Mitch Rapp-type badass. Oh. Mitch's, Mitch's fictional character started as a collegiate athlete. Yes. Remember that? Yes. Wow. Mitch was a lacrosse player yep. in college. I remember that. And was this fit, gung-ho athlete, and that's the same as... Uh, the languages, too, Joe. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's he's a good observation. Toughness. He's got the toughness of it because he's got endurance. That's so. a good observation. And, and from listening to the interview, he sounded very stoic. Like it might take a little bit more than usual to make him mad. But then he, once he gets mad, yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> I think that's the Yale in him. Yeah. yeah. Johnny, go ahead, sir. Thank you, Joe. The Minnesota Supreme Court on Wednesday ruling in favor of a Minneapolis ordinance establishing a $15 minimum wage for the city. And there goes a couple more restaurants. Well, just yeah. like McKinney Row that just yeah. decided they're going to close. Yeah. The high court's opinion, written by Chief Justice Lori Gildea, states that by complying with the Minneapolis ordinance, employers are not in violation of the Minnesota Fair Labor Standards Act, and therefore the ordinance is compatible with state statutes. Graco had filed a lawsuit against the city on November 10, 2017, seeking a judgment declaring that Minnesota statutes preempt municipal ordinances. A district court ruled the state sets a floor, not a ceiling, for wages. An appeals court affirmed that ruling last March. Graco argued in its lawsuit that the ordinance conflicts with state law because it restricts the employer's ability to pay the state minimum wage. The court countered with the argument that no language in the Minnesota Fair Labor Standards Act suggests that municipalities cannot pass higher minimum wages. The state sets a floor, not a ceiling. Minneapolis passed a minimum wage regulation that went into effect January 1st, 2018. It requires large and small employers to pay workers at least 15 bucks an hour by 2022 and 2024, uh, respectively. Right now, the hourly minimum wage in Minneapolis, 12 and a quarter for large employees and $11 for small employers. They are just hell-bent on destroying every business in the Twin Cities, aren't they? And it all stems from the misguided belief that uh, you should be able to raise a family on these types of jobs. That's not what they were intended for. No. State officials say they're seeing too many people on the phone still while driving. The Minnesota hands-free law went into effect on August 1st. The Department of Public Safety says 9,727 drivers have been cited for violating the law in the five okay. months since it started. I have an observation enforced. about yes, that. Yes, Joe. Well, Let's call it 10,000. Okay. Okay. You've given 10,000? Can you imagine how many there are then? Oh, right. If you've, yeah. if you've given 10,000, there's 100,000 people right. driving with using their cell. I see them every day. This law has every made day. no difference. Well, it did to 10,000 people. Well, true, but I'm saying it hasn't corrected any of the behavior. Oh, God, no. 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 
<laughs> you guys familiar with how tight and uh, uh, difficult, I wouldn't say difficult, but very tight. Southbound 35W, you go around the quarry corner, oh. you go through those sweepers, and then you go uh, past, uh, what is it, uh, 4th Street mm-hmm. in University, and there's the 35W uh, Mississippi River Bridge. You know, everybody's yeah. merging, everybody's moving. Yeah. Jack, mo- uh, there's a guy, earlier this week, we went up to Schoonover, picked up Ben's truck. This guy is doing about 45 miles per hour. Everybody's slamming on the brakes, going around him, uh, you know, fighting for position. I finally get up next to him, phone right oh, in no. his face, right in his face, blocking his view of the windshield. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I hope you gave him a salute of One some of the sort. busiest parts of our freeway right. system right there, and he's looking at his phone. Oh, everybody did. I, I My window was down and my finger was flying. Yeah. The whole deal. Yeah. <laughs> Threw your phone at him. <laughs> <laughs> the state is starting a new advertising campaign to remind people to keep their hands on the wheel. Mike Hansen's director of the Department of Public Safety's Office of Traffic Safety. He said we just need more Minnesota drivers to make that decision to park the phone. Drivers who have been stopped say they know about the new law, but they have a hard time breaking their old habits. What happened to the idea of putting the cops in buses? Are we still doing that? I, I bet we have if you got 10,000. If yeah. they are, they shouldn't be advertising Good it. Good point. And Good I point. don't think they should be advertising this campaign, too. And the tickets and the fines, not nearly Enough. No, no, Did you guys right. read the Star Tribune piece? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're quoting from? Uh, no, it's a different piece, but uh, it's the same gist. The, the Star Tribune piece by Tim Harlow quoted uh, Egan police officer Luke Nelson. He pulled over a guy uh, who drove a 40-ton tanker truck with hazardous materials oh, a quarter mile down a busy road while texting on his phone. Oh, no. And you're gonna you're gonna fine him fifty dollars for the first offense, two hundred seventy five. Number one, he should never be allowed to drive a, a commercial vehicle. He should lose again. his class A. And it, the fine should be five thousand dollars. The only way we're gonna make this stop is to make it just as serious as drunk driving. That's the only way. Because if you were caught boozing behind the wheel, you lose your class A. Absolutely. The guy should never drive a, a commercial vehicle again. Well I guarantee he probably got fired. I have hands free, but I'm I have to pull over to activate it because I because I need to put on a different pair of glasses. Yeah. So so, so I got. So you're not t- a threat. I, I'm really not. <laughs> I, <laughs> nature has taken care of me. Na- nature has taken care of me. Right. You are no threat. It's out of the question if I'm on a freeway because oh. I'm not pulling over. But if I'm on a, a surface street and I got to pull over and then hit the button. For the contacts and yep. go through them and then find one and there hit the go. button, then look around and start driving again because now it's just all done through the voice but thing. This is also after you look past the yellow poster note that says, Rookie, right? Call right. Fred, right? <laughs> Under state law, drivers are not allowed to have a cell phone or other device in their hand while at the wheel. Drivers can touch their phone once to make a call, send a voice activated text. That'd be fun to see Such try that. Uh, um, or listen to podcasts like, like the GL podcast. That's right. But multiple touches, such as dialing a phone number or punching in GPS coordinates, are now outlawed. Yeah. The new Park the Phone campaign runs through February 16th. Labor and environmental activist Sidney Jordan has won Democratic primary election for Minnesota House seat in northeast Minneapolis. Jordan got nearly 29% of the vote Tuesday in a crowded field of 11 candidates. Uh, given that Republicans did not field the candidate, her only opponent in the heavily Democratic District 60A will be legal marijuana now candidate Marty Super. <laughs> 
Jordan right now is state director for Save the Boundary Waters. She's also worked as a union organizer with the Minnesota Federation of Teachers. I should have said I have to pull the Alfa Romeo Stelvio over and go to the menu screen and select phone and then figure it out from there. Believe me, you young people, you won't have any trouble with it. You can do that while you're moving. Right, right. A man in his 30s. What was the name name of the pod party? Say that again. Uh, Marijuana now. Why not just call it Podheads? It's the Podheads. And what are you going to do when you get legal? Weed legalized, then then what? Legal are, marijuana. Are you now. done? Are you stepping down? Then are you done? Mission accomplished. That's your whole man. mission right there. You're running for office in order to get weed legalized. Okay. A man in his 30s in Washington State is infected with the Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan. Dun, dun, dun. First confirmed case in the United States of this mysterious respiratory infection that's killed at least six people and sickened hundreds more in Asia. Does this mean that you're going to wear the mask again to the fair, Joe? Well, we'll see what happens by the time the fair rolls around. We haven't even determined yet if we'll be at the fair. Uh, I'm hearing rumors that we won't be. Oh, good. Are those rumors started by you? You're making those up, aren't you? I have no idea where they started. I think the GLers love it. I had fun this year at the fair. Not that I did What did we do, two Fridays? We did the first day day and the last Friday. Friday. I'd do that again. That's a bookend. Don't get your hopes up. I'm hearing it's just not going to be. Well, that's Kenny, ladies and gentlemen. Not in the cards this year. Kenny wrote himself a note and said, here's a note to you, Kenny. Federal officials have announced expanded screenings for the infection at major airports in the U.S. In addition to New York, L.A. and San Francisco, airports in Atlanta and Chicago will be examining passengers arriving from Wuhan, China. The infected man's a resident of Snohomish County, Washington. He developed symptoms after returning from a trip to the region around Wuhan where the outbreak began. It read online about the mysterious new virus that causes fever and respiratory illness and informed his doctors about his trip when he sought care on Sunday. He was seen at a clinic and is now hospitalized at Providence Regional Medical Center in Everett, Washington. Health officials have declined to identify the patient, but they say he has a mild case of pneumonia. He's doing well and so far has been very cooperative. United Nations experts Wednesday calling for an immediate investigation by the U.S. and others into info that they received that suggests Jeff Bezos's phone was hacked after receiving a file sent from Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's What's Up account. Bezos, of course, owns the Washington Post and is founder of Amazon. At a time when Saudi Arabia was supposedly investigating the killing of Saudi a killing, God, a what What's the wrong, hell? John? What the it, hell? It's just one of those days. It, just work through it. You'll be fine. The killing. Maybe I should try and talk just a little power slower. Through it, he says. Power. <laughs> Slow down a little, John. Investigating the killing. You're at, you're you're the best in the biz. Seriously, I've never heard people a- able to pronounce things like you. Thanks, Don't worry Kenny. about it. You're really good at your job. Thanks, Kenny. Investigating the killing of Saudi critic. Kill. I said killing. Killing. Of Saudi. John, I'll say it again. You're one of the best Shut in up. the business. And Washington Post <laughs> columnist Jamal Khashoggi and prosecuting those they deemed responsible. The U.N. experts <laughs> reviewed a 2019 digital forensic analysis of Bezos' iPhone, which they said was made available to them as U.N. 
special investigators. This just in from Patrick Royce two minutes <laughs> no. ago new on Twitter. Ottoman. New Ottoman. No, 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 no. no, 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 no come no, on, no. come on, come on. Yeah, Patrick uh, Royce. Got a new Ottoman. Required installation of a stubby wooden appendages on each corner. <laughs> Wife's disgust with my handyman ineptitude reached new heights before she performed the task. <laughs> really comfy for outstretched legs, though. See you later. And he's got a big picture. Big of picture of nothing. <laughs> of a footstool. Right. Of a stool. He couldn't get the legs on that, huh? Stubby appendages. Weiss' disgust of my handyman ineptitude reached new heights. He's got to screw in four legs, probably without any tools. You know what this is? This is on par with Rookie replacing the snowblower pole thing. Yeah, 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 right. This is... It's well, a major award. Well, at least Rook was able to do it, Pat. That's a good point. My wife was not disgusted with me. Oh, See, I, I want to give oh, you. Uh, I want to give you a note from Mike uh, Gagnon in Seattle, Washington. Uh-huh. Very quick, going to the Sun Road story. Summer 2014, driving west across the road, drove up and found that toward the summit there was road construction. Pavement had been removed, was being replaced apparently, leaving the road surface only dirt. Additionally, the guardrails had been removed. As we hit the summit, the skies opened up into a 15-minute downpour, the likes I've never seen before or since. Traffic crawling, wipers on full blast, barely can see, no pavement, no guardrails. Immediately after hitting the summit, traffic comes full stop. Waited about 10 minutes. Rain finally stops and people start getting out of their cars. No one is moving. A look over the edge showed the river at the bottom was mud brown. The poor motorcyclist that was stuck in front of me pointed out the mud and said, Probably a landslide. Sure enough, there had been a landslide in front of us blocking the road. And if that wasn't enough, there was also a landslide behind us also blocking the road. So we were trapped. Luckily, there was road construction equipment, including a backhoe sitting along the road. And luckily, there were GLers among the trap. Backhoe was started. Keys were in it. GLers then cleared the side, thus freeing us all. Have a care. That's Good awesome. luck. Mike in Seattle, That's Washington. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Formerly of Mendota Heights. Now listening to us in now, Seattle, Washington. There we go. I, I would like to implore the uh, GLers, no more stories like that, okay? Because he won't go. That, uh, <laughs> that, one, mean, that, one, that one hit me hard. <laughs> it, it makes you very, very anxious to think you're trapped there. Yeah, that, that, the, it's it's not the rain so much in the landslide. It's, wait a minute. I can't get I got out of one this. in front of me yeah. and behind me? Yeah. Where do I go? What do I do? Well, you better bring a pack of luckies. Yeah. Well, if you're sitting around doing absolutely nothing and you are stuck, you got to check out Pod MN. It's a new mobile app dedicated to local Minnesota-based podcasts, and it's extremely convenient to listen to Garage Logic, The Fret Club, Table Talk with Rookie's Family, whatever the case may be. Check it out. All this month, we we're giving away a Garage Logic T-shirt signed by the crew. If you listen to any of the GL Family podcasts on the Pod MN app, download the Pod MN now on your phone's app store. Or learn more by visiting podmn.com. That's podmn.com. A story for Kenny. A study has discovered that women are more attracted to men who have beards. You. The research showed that this was the case. I was hearing about many of those stories before the show. Did you have a beard in your 20s? Yeah, did you have a beard? Just keep doing the story. <laughs> the, that's, that's, that's off-air stuff. Yeah. The research showed that, needs to hear that. that this was the case because beards made men seem more physically and socially dominant. 
However, they were not seen as a sign of cleanliness. No, I see that. I can understand that. <laughs> Is there any cottage cheese in my beard today? Not, not today. <laughs> and so those women who did, who did not like hairy faces may have been turned off by the fear that they may contain fleas or lice. Yeah, that's and that what may, I would think. That may Jeez. have an evolutionary root. I take a shower regularly. <laughs> uh, regularly. <laughs> Does it say anything in that story, John, about guys that eat two lunches in one day? <laughs> Nothing, oh. no. Those same women did who prefer. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. Chris did today. <laughs> did you forget that you had one? Well, I had lunch, and then John wanted to go down, and he needed a walking buddy. I walked in, and Chris was eating lunch. I said, I'm going to go get a piece of pizza. I'll go down with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those same women who preferred a shaven face were found to be most afraid of parasites in the beards. The study was conducted on 1,000. Parasites? 1,000. Like ticks or that kind of thing. I don't have ticks. No the, ambition. The study was conducted on almost 1,000 American women who were quizzed. About their attitudes toward facial hair and partners, researchers at the University of Queensland in Australia showed 919 women aged 18 to 70, 30 images of three different men. The men's faces had been photographed with a full beard, without a beard, and after being photoshopped to appear either more masculine or more feminine. There's a term for us that the ladies call us bears. Really? Is that the ladies? Really? (laughs) Yeah, the gals? Really? You sure? Okay. Uh, anyway, the hairier men uh, were uh, rated as more attractive when the photos uh, were rated. Firstly, masculine faces. Don't, uh, don't, don't be down on me. I, I, I do shave other areas. <laughs> well, okay, then. Yeah. New Ottoman. Yep. Oh, Required installing four appendages. Brooke, I wish you'd have just hit the <laughs> feet right yeah, there. Yeah, right there. Right. I've been ready. It really <laughs> right there. Good. I wish I'd have heard. Just, uh, what a way to go play, out. Play the theme song. <laughs> I don't have any words. GarageLogic.com. Hey, we'll see you next week, huh? Yeah. Get your uh, snow rakes at Fratelloni's. You're going to need them because the uh, snow is going to start melting on the roof. Get a snow thrower or a snow blower next week. Yeah, that's right at 30 Bales Restaurant. Come I'm hang gonna, out. I'm going to try to make it. First rounds on suits. That's what my sources well, are telling me. Well, if I get there. You right. are going to be there. Well, I better be chauffeured then. <laughs> GarageLogic.com Yeah. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone.